Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the gospel reading we heard a moment ago, the feeding of the 4,000, Mark 8, 1 to 9, especially these words. I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you have no part in the kingdom of God. That's what we heard last week. God was teaching us about righteousness. And I posed the question, are you good enough for God? On your own? Of course not. In Christ Jesus, of course you are. All week long I've been pondering and meditating that question that I posed to the people of God. And I've come to a conclusion. If there is one phrase that I could omit from the English language, it would be the phrase, good enough. Good enough. Think about how we use it. Are you done with that project? Yeah, good enough. Did you study for that test? Yeah, enough. Are you ready for that sermon, vicar? It'll be good enough. Think about how we use that phrase in life. Almost always, it's an excuse. It's an excuse for perhaps not doing our best, for not achieving our goals. It's an excuse for oftentimes being lazy and apathetic. Good enough has become a tired and worn phrase. I wish we could drive that phrase from the English language, but I've come to another realization. If there is one phrase in the English language that we must have and can't live without, it's the phrase, good enough. Not a riddle. It's a paradox. Unless we get to the point where we can say something is good enough, we don't accomplish anything. Vicar, is that sermon done? Oh, not yet. Not yet. I'm still working on it. Not yet. At some point in time, whatever your job is, whatever your task is, you have to say, enough is enough. Otherwise, we are paralyzed into inaction. How many people have master's or PhD dissertations that never got finished because they never ever thought they were quite good enough? So, 
in one respect, good enough, banish it from the English language. In another respect, good enough is indispensable. Otherwise, nothing would ever get accomplished. That brings us to the realization that we live in an imperfect world where all too often good enough has to be good enough. Our world is fallen. We heard in our Old Testament reading, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. We know the rest of that story, don't we? We heard in our epistle reading, the wages of sin is death. So we live our life striving for perfection sometimes, knowing that we have to all too often settle for good enough. That brings us to our text for today. The miraculous feeding of the 4,000. We see the very nature of God. The same God who is righteousness personified, who gives away His righteousness to us, is not only concerned about where we will spend eternity, He is concerned about us each and every day of our lives. He is concerned about how we live, how we think, how we work, how we study, how we sleep, how we eat. There is no aspect of our life that God doesn't know about and care about. He knows when a single sparrow falls. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And before you can even think it or pray for it, he knows when you're hungry. Isn't that amazing? Jesus has been teaching the crowds. They had nothing to eat. Jesus could have said, boy, you guys are really bad at planning. You should have known you wouldn't have had enough food. You should have known how long the church service was going to last. You should have prepared better. Isn't that how life is? Isn't that how we think oftentimes, either for ourselves or blaming others? Before the people of God can even cry out, Jesus knows and he not only knows their need, he does something about it. He has compassion on the crowd. That word comes up quite often in Holy Scripture. Compassion is so much more than pity. When we're driving down the interstate and we see someone in trouble with a flat tire or a car accident, we have pity on their situation. We might even call 911. 
Rarely do we stop and get our hands dirty. My friends, I am not advocating that every one of us turn into the AAA Auto Club. Compassion is more than a feeling. Compassion is a feeling that motivates us into action. That is true compassion. And this is what Jesus displays for the crowd. Of course he knew they were hungry. He knows all things. Of course he knows they could have and maybe should have prepared better. But neither one of those things keep Jesus from displaying the very nature of God. Compassion. Jesus is moved, he is motivated, and he acts. For three days, the people have been hanging on his word. Can you imagine that? For three days, so enamored with the word of God that you forget how hungry you are? For most of us, <clears throat> For me, that's an impossible thought. To be hanging on his words. To be consumed with his words. To eat and drink his words. This is what the people of God were doing. And while they were hanging on his words, Jesus was concerned about their belly. They gathered together a few small loaves of bread, seven, as our text tells us, a few fish. Everyone knows that with 4,000 people, no matter how tiny you slice those seven loaves, no matter how fine you break apart the fish, it's not enough. It's not enough. My friends, enough is not in God's vocabulary. Our God is a compassionate God. Our God is a God who is full of steadfast love. Our God is a generous God who gives and gives and gives in abundance. And that's exactly what we see. There's not enough. Jesus will not hear that excuse. Jesus acts. He blesses the loaves, hand it out. He blesses the fish, hand it out. He feeds the people. Not just a bite, not just enough so that they can make it home without fainting along the way. He feeds them to their full. He feeds them to their satisfaction. He feeds them in abundance. The people gorge themselves on the gifts that Jesus provides. Now you would think that Jesus, being a good steward, would have planned precisely so that there would be no leftovers. 
Isn't that how we act? We certainly don't want to waste anything. Not so with Jesus. Jesus provides in abundance. He starts out with seven small loaves and they end up with seven baskets full of pieces left over. Now we're not talking about a little basket like we collect our offering in. We're not talking about a bushel basket. We're not talking about a picnic basket. We're talking about a Roman basket, as the word in the Greek points out, that was designed to hold, are you ready for this? 50 loaves of bread. He starts out with seven small loaves, and at the end, there are roughly fragments of 350 loaves. God is not wasteful. God gives in abundance. Have you had enough to eat? Most of the time I would say, no. I want more. Takes a great act of willpower to say no to certain things. My friends, all too often, when God gives his gifts, that's the approach we take. Would you like a little more word of God? No, I've had enough. Would you like a little more Bible study? No, I've had enough. Would you like a little more Jesus? No. I was baptized. I was confirmed. I went to church last Easter. And the list goes on and on. Our God gives and gives and gives in abundance. And far too often, we're not all that interested. We'll take care of ourselves. We'll provide our own gifts. We've had enough. My friends, the nature of God is compassion and steadfast love. For all of the times when we have been apathetic or ungrateful with, rega with regard to God's overabundance in gift giving, for all of the times when we have been satisfied, when we should have been hungry for the Word of God, for all of the times when we've looked at life with a good enough attitude, when we should have strived for more, 
being a better husband or wife, being a better boss or employee, being a better pastor or church member, being a better neighbor or citizens. For all of those times when, when we have not set the bar very high for ourselves and we've lived a good enough life. For all of the times when we have heard the word of God and just not cared. For all these sins and more. God in his compassion. God in his steadfast love. God in his grace and mercy was moved to action. He didn't just think about our sin and our miserable plight. He didn't just think about how sad he was going to be that we had earned our way to hell. No. God was moved to action. He sent his son, his only son, his most prized possession, the greatest gift he could give. He sent his son, God in the flesh for us and for our salvation. Jesus in the flesh places himself under God's holy law. He keeps it perfectly. Something you and I cannot do no matter how hard we try. He fulfilled the law on our behalf, but that was not good enough for God. Jesus, having fulfilled the law, took all of our sin, all of our sins of commission, the things that we do that we shouldn't do, all of our sins of omission, the things that we don't do that we should do. He took all of our sins of thought, word, and deed onto himself all the way to Calvary's cross. He bled and he died. And he cried out, it is finished. It is accomplished. It is complete. Jesus has lived a perfect life of righteousness for you. Jesus has died paying the penalty for all of your sins. He has done this for you. And yet that was not good enough for God. The stone cold body of Jesus was laid in a new tomb. There was one more enemy for God to defeat. Your greatest enemy. My greatest enemy. The greatest enemy in the entire world. Death itself. Three days later, Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. Never to die again. His life, His death, His resurrection for you proves God's compassion and steadfast love. Are you ready? Even that was not enough. Heresy! No. How do we get what Jesus has earned for us? How do we get this gift? What do I have to do? How do I know I've done enough? God has taken care of that as well. In his overabundance of gift 
giving joy. He gives away forgiveness, life, and salvation. He gives it to you in the waters of holy baptism. He gives it to you as you hear His Word preached or spoken or sung into your ear. He gives His Word even as you hear a humble sermon from a poor, miserable, sinning pastor. He gives you His body and blood to eat and drink. Any one of those gifts would be enough. But not for God who gives and gives and gives and gives. My friends, Jesus feeds you the forgiveness of sins. Jesus feeds you life and salvation. Jesus feeds and gives and feeds and gives and He promises you will never go away hungry. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God which far surpasses all understanding keep our hearts our minds, even our hunger pangs, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.